It don't matter where I get to go What I do it ain't for sure I gotta tell him about his love In this world of push and shove I know I'm a little hard But I gotta tell him about my God It's the highway life for me Since Jesus set me free There's no place I'd rather be Surrounded by my family At the rodeos, concert halls, churches, fairs, antique malls Barnyards or trucks stop rolling down the blacktop Loading up and get gone, fueling up and moving on There's no place I'd rather be Hey friends, I've got some great news for you. Lonesome Road Ministry is moving up to a new level. We are going to have our own streaming channel thanks to Rick J of Global Media OTT Network. So we're going to be able to stream Lonesome Road TV on Global Media OTT Network. That's on Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and we're pretty excited about where God is taking us in 2024. Hey, you can search uh, Rick J Presents and find Lonesome Road TV, and we're starting to get a lot of programs on there. Roger Barkley Jr. is helping us with this TV project, and he is doing a wonderful job Check it out. Check, see what he's doing with some of our programs on Lonesome Road TV. set me free There's no place I'd rather be Surrounded by my family At rodeos, concert halls, churches, fairs, and antique malls Barnyards or trucks, stops, rolling on down that blacktop Loading up and getting gone, fueling up and moving on There's no place I'd rather be It's a highway life for me there's no place I'd rather be. It's a highway for me. Hey friends, welcome to our program today. We have a great guest, our good friend Richard Koss, all the way from Oklahoma. He's on his way to Ohio. What's What's going on right now, Richard? Uh, you've been over at St. Louis ministering to... Misfits for Jesus. Misfits for Jesus. I like man, that name. Man, that fits a lot of people, doesn't Whosoever it? Whosoever will may come. Yeah, <laughs> most of us are misfits. If we don't know Jesus, we That's are. That's right, for sure. <laughs> Amen. So tell us a little bit about that uh, program over there, and then we'll uh, bring you on over here and send you to Ohio before Well, we two businessmen... We're sitting in the Baptist church one day, and they were house painters, but, you know, they, pay, they worked in the houses 500,000, a million, two million, and up, that kind of painters. <laughs> yeah. And they said, you know, what are we doing for Christ? You know, they were born again, loved, loved the Lord, but occupying a pew. 
They begin to work underneath the interstates in downtown St. Louis, ministering to the folks living in cardboard boxes and tents down there, and started reaching some of them for Jesus, started feeding them on Thursday nights, and I happened to meet those guys about then, and that was about 15 years ago. Now they've got a Saturday night church, and that's packed out all the time. Uh, they feed people, help people with clothing, and they just do a lot of neat things. And that's kind of right up my alley. Mm -hmm. You know, I came from the streets. I came from jail. I came from prison. And, you know, I like to see churches and groups that minister to those people. We need more of them, for Amen. sure. Amen. Well, that's, that's for sure. So you've been over there in St. Louis uh, with the Misfits. Misfitsforjesus.com. Misfitsforjesus.com. And they meet every Saturday night, and then they have uh, Wednesday night Bible studies and uh, a lot of different things going on during the week. Okay, well, that's quite an organization they got over yeah, there. Yeah, amen. So people need to log on and check that out. And uh, they could check out Richard Koss on, uh, are you on Facebook? Well, I was, but I'm not anymore. Uh, getting hacked too many times, and I just dropped it. Well, I'll tell you how the best way to check out Richard Koss, and that is uh, give him a call. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's your phone number, Richard? My phone number is area code 251-979-0257. And right. I'm your servant for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Well, you're all about sharing your testimony. You share your testimony all over the country. And uh, have you been around the world yet? Well, I've been in a lot of countries, but not quite around the world. <laughs> but I've got to do a lot of mission work in Guatemala, Nicaragua, Colombia, and Romania, Scotland. Met a lot of interesting folks. Yes, I'll say. Uh, well, I want to read a scripture, and this is what our ministry is all about and this is what your ministry is all about and it's found in chapter uh revelations chapter 12 verse 11 and it says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death amen amen you know we are overcomers by the blood of our blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and I like this last part, and they loved not their lives unto death. Yeah. What Praise does that God. mean, Richard? Pray, well, you're going to endure till the end, brother. <laughs> Amen. Nobody's going to trip you up. It's not about us anymore, yeah, is that's it? that's right. It's yeah. all about Jesus, and yeah. that's what we got to be all about. And you've been all about Jesus ever since you got saved in prison in, uh, what year was that? 1969. 1969. Yeah. Wow. I've been out of prison about 53 years now, but my ministry started in prison. Okay. You know, I believe you, you bloom where you're planted. And, and I knew that prison was my mission field. You know, I go into prisons today and, and men and women will tell me, well, Richard, as soon as I get out of prison, you know, I used to be a gangbanger. I'm going back to the streets. I'm going to find a good church that's reaching those people and I'm going to get involved. And I always tell them, it won't happen. You will not do it. And they say, what do you mean? You don't wait until you get out of prison. That's right. Start your ministry now. You know, start serving Jesus where you're at. For about two and a half years, you know, I was involved in prison ministry, and I was still an inmate, but that's where it started, brother. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know Terry Hopkins. Yeah. His uh, bus number 19 is yeah. one, of, one of the most uh, powerful messages anybody yeah. will ever Amen. Hear. That's for sure. And he's got one message that we titled, Start Where You're At, 
use what you got yeah. and do what you can. Yeah. That's Amen. the secret to ministry. Exactly. And that's what you're talking about. You started right where you was at doing ministry, yep. and that was in prison, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was, it was really awesome. Uh, we had a couple of good chaplains that were born again and loved Jesus, and, and those chaplains loved us, and, and uh, that was my discipleship time, the, the majority of my discipleship time. And uh, every day, you know, it's growing a little bit more, growing a little bit more, growing a little bit more. <laughs> and uh, our warden at that time, he had people... Uh, every night we had chapel services, every night, multiple times on weekends, and uh, we had a lot of Southern Baptists coming in. We had Christ the King, Catholic Church, born-again Catholics from Oklahoma City coming in once a month. Uh, we had an evangelical Lutheran group that came in, uh, but the warden uh, made sure they were soul winners. Amen. He wanted people that were involved in evangelism, reaching our world for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, um, the scripture says we are overcomers. By Amen. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And you have so many testimonies that 50-some uh, years of ministry, and we want, to, we want you to highlight a lot of the uh, testimonies that just stand out in your mind. I mean, you've been in prisons all around this country. I don't know if you've been in every state, but you've been in most of them. A lot of them. Yeah. And you have so many different testimonies of how Christ has transformed some of the people that you've witnessed to. Gary, I tell people I've got a doctorate in prison ministry from the inside out. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a lot of neat, neat experiences. I've worked a couple of death rows for years and years and years. And man, the change when men and women, and there's not that many women on death row today, but for instance, Angola, Louisiana, you're talking about 80 men yeah. on death row wow. from 15 years old on up. But when they come to Christ, maybe they were saved in the county jail, uh, go through the court system, end up on death row. Most of them are murderers. Uh, they come to know Christ as their Savior. Their life changes, and they're in a six by nine cell. Yeah, they can't go anywhere, you know. But they witness to other inmates. They witness to guards in Angola for many years. The uh, warden, Warden Kane, he would walk them to the death chamber. Wow. And some someone said, "Well, Warden, what's requested of you most when you walk these men to the death chamber?" He said, "Well, number one." I try and make sure they're saved. Amen. Amen. They're born again. Do you have that surety? And uh, we established that. And then here's what they asked me. And man, the first time I heard this, man, it shook me up. I, wow. They, he said, what's asked of you most? He said, Warden, would you hold my hand? Wow. Would Boy. you hold my hand? Wow. You know, support from another Christian brother. Yeah. You know, and most of your men on death row... Uh, you've got a lot of time to think about it, but before death comes, they trust Christ as their Savior. And it's uh, pretty interesting, some of the stories we've heard. Inmates who say, I'm a, I'm a Satan worshiper, get away from me with this Jesus stuff, and, and they hold out till the end, and then when they're being executed, especially with lethal injection, they go out screaming. 
the demons. One was recorded as, you know, the demons, I see the demons, they're coming after me, they're coming after me. Other inmates go out singing Amazing Grace. Wow. Which one do you want to be, you know? <laughs> and guess what, folks? We're all on death row. You know, it's appointed on the man once to die. And after that, the judgment. So, in fact, we're all in the same boat. Uh, when we go to the judgment, we better take Jesus with us. Amen? Amen. Christians get to go to the judgment seat of Christ. Non-Christians get to go to the great white throne judgment where Jesus is also the judge. But I want to go to the judgment seat of Christ. And, you know, take a guy like me. 32 arrests, three trips to prison. I was a street outlaw for a long time and uh, came to Christ when I was 24 and, and started serving God in prison. And, and, but what if I had died and stood before God and God should say, Richard, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I let you into my kingdom? Man, you, you're, you're an outlaw, an old dope addict, drinking all the time, causing problems, robbing people. Why should I let you into my heaven? Now, it's not going to happen that way, but... If it did, Gary, I've got an answer. Yeah. Uh, God, I stand before you not in mine own righteousness. I stand before you in the righteousness of your son, Jesus, my Savior. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That is the only way into heaven, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. So share some uh, stories of uh, some of your travels, Richard. Well, Every time I get on the road, it's a kind of a new adventure. <laughs> and uh, in prisons, uh, I remember uh, one time in Springfield, Missouri, which is a federal prison, and it's a med center. Now, if you've got AIDS, if you've got um, cancer, your health is really bad, uh, there's six of these around the United States. The Springfield, uh, uh, Missouri federal prison uh, the chaplain there, Chaplain Rigard, he's retired now, but a neat brother in the Lord, Assembly of God brother, uh, he started a program to take the saved, born-again inmates that have accepted Jesus, and they've got a little Bible behind them. They are enrolled in the hospice program, and that's their full-time job, to take care of the dying inmates. Wow. Wow. And, of course, the whole purpose, make sure they're saved before the lights go out, okay? Uh, to pray for them daily. You got some of them you got to feed. You got to change your diapers, whatever it takes. And you got to be dedicated to that program. But uh, I know everybody watching, everybody listening right now, everybody knows who John Gotti was. Now, he's gone now. The Teflon Don, the most dangerous uh, criminal of all times, and, and pretty much about 17 murderers, 17 murders on his plate, but they couldn't get anything to stick. That's why they called him the Teflon Don. Yeah. And, but they finally did get him on some charges, and he went to federal prison. Now, at the same time, a Native American Indian in another federal prison uh, was in for two murders, and a big guy and his name was Frank Flying Horse. And he had killed a couple other natives in a barroom fight. And uh, somewhere along the line, county jail, federal prison, he gave his life to Jesus. He became a walking, talking, Bible-reading soul winner. Wow. And he ended up with cancer. And he was sent to Springfield. Okay, And uh, the chaplain 
attach himself right away. And I remember the chaplain told me one day, he said, Richard, if I had five or six Frank flying horses, if I had five or six of these guys, we could shut down the prison because they'd win them all to Christ. <laughs> he was that kind of a guy. Now, what if I was in prison and the chaplain said, well, Richard, I'm going to sign you to John Gotti. Uh, you take care of John Gotti while he's dying. John Gotti wouldn't have respected me. I was a low-life street criminal. He had dozens of those guys working for him. Yeah. No respect there. Ah, but a murderer and especially a big guy like Frank Flying Horse killed two people with his bare hands. Okay. Frank Flying Horse got assigned to John Gotti. And John Gotti would respect that. Oh, you murdered a couple? Okay, all right, man, I like you. And he'd pray for John Gotti every day. Now, here's the end of the story, okay? And there's a question mark at the end, all right? But John Gotti was rapidly dying, heart failure, and some other health problems. And the chaplain was on vacation. Frank Flying Horse was taking care of Gotti. John Gotti died. Three days later, Frank Flying Horse died. And the chaplain's on vacation. We don't know what happened. Did he lead John Gotti to Christ? You know, we'll know someday if we're born again, saved, washed in the blood, get to heaven. Well, how'd you get here? <laughs> well, maybe the same way you did, huh? The blood of Jesus, you know, that cleanses us of every sin, man. So don't be surprised if uh, you see John Gotti there. Maybe, maybe not. There's a question mark. We don't know what happened. Hmm. So one day we'll see, you know. But I've, uh, you know, seen those things happen in Angola, Louisiana. Same thing. They, they take Christians who have been through the four-year seminary, okay. Yeah. They got a lot of Bible training. And uh, they make them assistant chaplains, and they work with the dying inmates. And uh, in most prisons today, you got a lot of old guys dying, dying of AIDS, cancer, whatever. And uh, here's a pretty cool story. When you go into the chapel uh, in the hospital, a small chapel in the hospital, it's and the hospital's full of dying men. We always go there and pray for them individually and just have a good time with them. And... Uh, Sometimes they'll have prayer requests, but they'll show you a video, and it's of a dying man uh, just before he passes away. And I know this particular man. He had been born again for about a month, but he, he's full of cancer, stage four. And it shows about a nine-year-old girl kind of laying up on the bed, laying across this man's chest, kind of loving on him like a little girl would do with grandpa. And then a the little girl's mother's over here holding the dying man's hand and praying for him and visiting him. And you assume, when you see the video, well, that's his probably daughter or granddaughter and her daughter, the mm -hmm. nine-year-old girl. Right. That's what you would assume. Well, it's not. The adult lady there with her nine-year-old girl is the sister of the woman that that man She's holding hands with raped and murdered. Wow. Talk about forgiveness. Yeah. He raped and murdered this lady's sister. She got permission to start visiting him in prison 
in the, in the hospice program and led him to Jesus. Hmm. Now, how about you, Christian? You got that kind of forgiveness? To go and lead the man that raped and murdered maybe one of your family or murdered one of your men? Or do you have hatred and resentment and unforgiveness in your life? Wow. That video, I wish I could get a copy of it. They don't allow those videos to go outside the prison. But maybe someday I can get a hold of it one way or another. Man, I'd love to send that to every church, every Sunday school uh, program in, in in the United States. And let Christians watch that. Wow. Wow. And here's the rest of the story. Wow. I mean, it shook me up, you know. And I've had to deal with that. I had to come to forgiveness with the men who killed my grandchildren. And it wasn't easy for me. Uh, it took a while. And it, and it took God really working on me, uh, spanking me pretty good before I forgave Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols for the Oklahoma City bombing where my two little grandchildren, Chase and Colton, were killed. And, but I, I, I knew about forgiveness. And when I'm in the middle of hatred and a murderous heart, God came to me and he said, Richard, do you remember how, how you were when I found you? Woo, man. I was anti-IRS, anti-government, anti-police. But God protected me from some group coming alongside of me and said, Hey, Koss, you carry guns. Uh, we like you. Uh, we want you to be a part of our group. And, and we're going to do some bombings over here. And we're going to do some murders over here. Uh, God never let me get involved. He protected me. So I didn't see the future. God did. And, and, and all those years of high-speed car wrecks and getting shot at by police and what have you, God kept me alive because he knew the end result. That someday... Even back then, someday I'd, I'd come to Christ. I'd become a Christian, accept Jesus as my Savior, and serve Him. And I believe He kept me alive through a lot of that junk that I was involved in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, well, you talked about uh, the Oklahoma City bombing and, and uh, the people that came. Uh, you talked about Billy Graham yep. and his wife. Yeah. Uh, Tell that story again. Sometimes after, uh, sometime after the Oklahoma City bombing, um, there was a uh, uh, huge memorial service at the Oklahoma City Fairgrounds, and, and it was packed with, there were people standing outside, they had outside speakers, and, and no telling how many tens of thousands of people were there. Uh, Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth, were headed for the uh, Mayo Clinic at Rochester, Minnesota. They weren't feeling well, and their doctor called them and, and said, Billy, you and Ruth, do not go to Oklahoma City. That's going to be too much on you. You get here to the Mayo Clinic. And Billy Graham said, we have to go to Oklahoma City. Billy Graham and his wife were not doing well. They sat in chairs and... Uh, President Clinton and his wife were there, and there was, uh, of course, the mayor of Oklahoma City and some big wigs, and the, the president's bodyguards were taking care of Billy and Ruth. If they wanted to move their chairs or get them some water, they weren't worried about the president. You know, they were taking care of Billy and Ruth, and we got to spend a lot of time with Billy Graham. 
And I remember Billy Graham asked me the question. He said, Richard, aren't you a, a, a Southern Baptist evangelist uh, like I am? And I said, well, not quite like you are. <laughs> but uh, I said, I'm a, I'm a low-life Southern Baptist evangelist. And uh, he said, uh, what's your favorite scripture verse? And I said, well, it hit me a couple days ago, and I'm really struggling with it now. Uh, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. I said, but, but Dr. Graham, I'm screaming at God. My grandkids are, are gone. Uh, they're, they're in heaven, but how are you going to turn this one? I said, Billy, I, I, I'm about halfway mad at God. You know, how are you going to turn this one into good? And he kind of grinned and laughed, but he did, didn't he? And uh, I said, well... I think I'm in that process, and uh, a lot later, after Billy and Ruth were gone to glory, God did turn around into good. Now, in the meantime, I became a better grandpa, a better husband, okay, a better witness, a better lover of men and women's souls, okay, a lot of changes there. But I was called by a missionary one time to bring a crew to um, Medellin, Colombia, to a prison called Bella Vista. Now, in Spanish, Bella Vista means beautiful view. Now, it's the ugliest prison I'd ever been in <laughs> in my life. 7,000-plus inmates, Pablo Escobar's men and Ochoa's men. Uh, they averaged back at one time about 40 murders a month. Drug cartels killing each other. And they brought, uh, I, I put out post, mad posters made on a little bit of my life in the Oklahoma City bombing and my forgiveness for the men who killed my grandchildren. And that was posted around the prison. And Gary, uh, we didn't know this was going to happen. There were 10 of Pablo Escobar's men who ran the prison. Not the warden. Yeah. Not the guards. And they were in prison for killing cops and they were Pablo Escobar's inner circle and then there was an outer circle of about 200 men who were dedicated to protect Pablo Escobar and they said we want to talk to the man who forgave the men who killed his grandchildren hmm. you see we don't do that you kill one of ours we kill your whole family right. we kill grandma grandpa uh, we kill mom and dad. We kill the children. Paybacks are quadruple. We want to meet this guy. Whoa. <laughs> so with my interpreter, I got to meet with these 10 guys. Now, they had gold chains, and I got a couple, but the, their gold chains were way bigger than mine. They all had Rolex watches, okay? Pablo Escobar at that time took good care of them, all right? And uh, they ran the prison. The warden had to get permission from them to let our team come in for a week inside that prison. Every day we'd go in for eight hours. But inside that prison were seven churches. Revival had hit that prison many years ago. And it began to calm down, okay? And uh, one of the Pablo Escobar's men had already given his life to Jesus. And my wheels are turning, uh-huh. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. I'm seeing things come out of this. 
and through my interpreter, and I had a really good interpreter, if I, if I made a point like, and, and God said, yes, go, he'd do the same, and yes, go in Spanish. You know, he's a good guy. And um, that day, seven more men of Pablo Escobar's team accepted Jesus as their Savior. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it started with one saved, and now seven more, and there was one holdout, but I believe after we left, he probably gave his life to Christ, okay? Wow. And from the outside, it's a horrible-looking walled prison. But when revival broke out in that prison some years back, the inmates went to the warden and said, you know, we're born-again Christians now, and man, we want to be a witness to everybody that comes through the gates of the prison, and we want to paint the inside of our prison walls. And the warden said, well, we don't have any money for that. There's no budget for that. We have money. <laughs> and we'll buy the paint, and we've got the artists, we've got the sign painters. And when I walked in that prison, all the way, everywhere you looked, and you know, they like all the bright colors, the bright reds and bright yellows, and, and, and it was like a rainbow. But then in the middle of all that, Scripture verses everywhere. They said, now, Warden, we'll do this. It won't cost you a dime. It won't cost the prison a dime. It'll all be free, but we get to paint Scripture verses all around the prison. And the warden said, have at it. He was a Catholic warden. And he said, have at it. And you walk inside, and you, you look down at open grates for the sewer. The, the prison didn't smell very good. And you'd, <laughs> the biggest rats I've ever seen in my life, you'd see them running through those great, underneath those grates. You know, and it was a pretty nasty prison. And the inmates fed us lunch uh, every day, and they gave us the best they had, and they didn't get much. Hmm. But the best they had at that time, Brother Gary, was the cow's stomach. See, from the meat markets, the prison would buy leftover meat. Hmm. And so they would feed us soup made out of cow's stomach with crackers. That was the best they had. But we ate it, but we prayed over it. God killed it for it kills us. And, uh, uh, but man, God was working. And here, Pablo, you know, and I begin to see, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 come to fruition, man. Wow, this is part of that thing that came out of the Oklahoma City bomb. We want to talk to that guy. How can you forgive these men through Jesus? You know, and we got to spend about four hours with eight of Pablo Escobar's men. You know, it was just another thing God's telling me, hey, I'm in charge. You know, don't you worry about it. I'm in charge, and you just keep following me, and I'll open doors for you. And, and that was really a blessing. Uh, when they used to have 40, average 40 murders a month, they were down to like three or four now with re revival breaking out in their prison. You know, Pablo Escobar would give a young man a motorcycle, a Yamaha motorcycle, uh, an Uzi, and 2000 bucks. Now go kill police officers. And for every police officer you kill, you get $2,000. Mm. And Pablo Escobar had millions and millions and millions. He had warehouses uh, with hundreds and fifties and twenties shrink-wrapped, you know, on pallets. You move them around with forklifts. So 2000 bucks. But see... If, if, if you're afraid to become a police officer or 
They kill police officers. What do you got to worry about? If you got a bunch of dead cops, hey, I'm free. And probably um, just about all of them got 27 years apiece. Most everybody in that prison was killing cops. And most of them uh, got 27 years apiece for killing cops. You walk through the prison, you could get high. <laughs> you, you walk by a group of guys and... Yeah, they're smoking weed, man. You go witness to them, they're they're blowing weed in your face, bringing back old memories, Gary. Because I was in a Mexican prison in Chihuahua, Mexico, back in the 1960s. And even the guards smoked weed back then. But the prison was changing rapidly as a result of inmates, you know, trusting Christ. And inside that prison were, they had, I think, five different churches that inmates could attend. They had their own radio program, Gary, like we're doing <laughs> here. And it would only go out about 80 miles, uh, but it would go all the way to Bogota. Wow. And uh, it was a call-in. They had an 800 number of some kind. As you're listening to these inmates share their testimonies, if you got problems, if, if you got a monkey on your back and you're a heroin addict or a cocaine addict or a meth freak, uh, you can call that inmates 24-7-365, ready, and it, that phone rang constantly. And they would lead people outside the prison to Jesus all the time. It was awesome. You know, yet here, inmates are locked up, but their prison, their prison ministry was going 80 miles out there. Mm-hmm. And man, and then can you imagine on visiting day, that it would almost triple with wives and kids. So you'd have... 21, 22, 23,000 people inside that prison on visiting day. Wow. And no telling how many of those people gave their lives to Jesus. Wow. Man. And it's still going on today. Two books have been written about Bay of Vista prison. Beautiful view. And uh, uh, spiritually, it was a pretty prison. Physically, it's pretty ugly. <laughs> but you know, in the midst of that garbage, God's grace, mercy, and love. Wow. Amen. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, God's really working through the churches and things. Are, you know, he's working all over the place. You know, I witnessed to a guy. He was a bandito. And I'm behind him. He had long hair, long beard, and he had his colors on. He had a lot of patches on the back. But he had a Christian fish on the back with a cross in the middle. He's a bandito. Yeah. And I said, hey, bandito, what's up, buddy? And he turned around and he said, what do you mean? And I said, I see a little Christian fish on the back of your colors with a cross in the middle. What's that all about? He said, well, and we introduced ourselves. He said, Richard, let me tell you about it. I was the president of the New Mexico Banditos. And I, he said, ah, we did all our stuff. People were killed, dope, you name it. And my wife and kids started going to a little Nazarene church. My wife got saved. My two girls got saved. Guess what? Now they're praying for daddy. <laughs> Amen. He said, man, I didn't even want to go home. Man, I wanted to stay out on the road with my partners, man, riding a motorcycle, doing our stuff. But he said, when I... Would go home, Daddy, you need to give your life to Jesus. Daddy, uh, we're praying for you. And he said, okay, one Sunday when I'm home, I'll go to church with you. 
Daddy, let's go to church. You said you'd go. And, well, you know, I don't feel, no, Daddy, you promised. He said, went to church, gave my life to Jesus. He said, now what do I do? <laughs> and he stayed with the banditos for a while, but he said, listen, guys, we grew up together. We've known each other all our lives. But I got saved a while back, and it's blood in, blood out. I mean, these are, you know, blood in or, you know, your blood getting out. You die. He said, I know you can hurt me. I know you can kill me. But he said, uh, I've got to go be a husband. I've got to go be a daddy. And I've got to go serve Jesus. And it was a, he told me, he said, it was a 100% vote to let me go unharmed. Wow. So he gets home, and a year later, he's in Bible college. Two years. <laughs> and he said, I come out. We, they had moved to a place where they go to Bible college. Came back to New Mexico. And he said, uh, God said, go back to the banditos. Oh, They're wow. still your buddies. And tell them you want to come back as their chaplain. He said, Richard came back. We had church, and that's what they call it. Their meetings are called church. church. And uh, got together and said, fellas, now, we've known each other all our lives. You know the situation. And I gave my life to Christ. And he said, I'd like to uh, come back as your chaplain, your spiritual advisor. 100% vote <laughs> to bring him back in. That was his story on the sidewalk that day. Wow. Man, isn't God good? You know, and it's too bad most church members don't see what God is doing out there, breaking up the darkness with light. What a testimony. Man. What, what wow. a testimony for our Lord. I mean, Amen. You have so many testimonies like that. I mean, you've shared quite a few of them since you've been here. That's what this is all about. Our, our ministry is all about getting a testimony out to those out there on that old lonesome road. And, no, you know, nobody can argue with your testimony. One time, a man in Michigan, we were getting ready to go to a Wisconsin prison, and uh, he said, man, I'd like to go to prison with you guys. But he said, I don't, I don't have a testimony. I said, well, <laughs> are you saved? Well, yeah, you have a testimony. That's right. And he said, well, I'd like to go to prison. He was a little apprehensive, even a little scared maybe. And uh, we went around the UP, and we were in a prison in Wisconsin for um, three days. And it's a granite-walled prison, Green Bay Prison. And uh, I called him up to give his testimony in the chapel. And boy, he shook him up a little bit. What am I going to say? When did you get saved? How old were you? What were you doing? There you go. That's, that's and he said, oh, man. And he, he did a great job. Never been in trouble. Grew up in a Christian home. Because of his testimony, one of the inmates that came that evening to get, give his life to Christ, he said, I gave, he said, I wanted to get saved because of that man's testimony. I said, see, God yeah. used your testimony today. There you go. And we had a lot of men saved that three days, but he's that guy came because of your testimony. Boy, that lit his fire. Yeah. Man, if you're born again, you have a testimony, and God's going to put you in front of people that your testimony is going to relate to him, or seeds are going to be planted. God's going to do a work. And he was so excited upon me. I can't believe somebody came to Christ because of my testimony. And then Gary, better than that, he ended up being a financial supporter of our ministry. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> that worked out pretty good, praise <laughs> God. But God is good, and, and let God use you. 
folks call me crazy well, That's all right with me Well, some folks even hate me I don't let it bother me Well, they call me a rebel that's the way I choose to be Cause I don't hang out with no rowdy crowd And they just don't understand And when I see a man in trouble Will I reach out and lend a hand I go to church and read my Bible Oh, and I try to be a better man Did I mention Well, my father is creator Well, my brother is a savior And I hang out with the mighty rushing wind I hold the title to a mansion I'm on my way to heaven, did I mention, I've been born again. Well, some folks think that I'm really strange when I talk about my life. Although this world is going crazy, I got no trouble. I'm on an inside track to freedom Oh, and I'm living in the light yeah. Oh, my father is creator Oh, my brother is a savior I hang out with the mighty rushing wind I hold the title to a mansion And I'm on my way to I want to be used. You know, when I go to get fuel or whatever, and this, you know, I just pray, God, if, you, if you've got someone for me to talk to or give a track to or one of my books to, just, just tell me, you know, and, and I'll do it, God. And I've had a lot of truck stop experiences with people. <laughs> and for some reason, and I think this happens to a lot of truckers, you know, I get hit a lot by people that need a little money. And I remember one time a lady came out of the woods, right? We were at a steak and shake, and I like those steak and shakes. They're, that's a pretty good burger, okay? She came out of the woods, and she was really dirty, really dirty. She said, 
excuse me, but, um, and I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. And I said, well, thank you for being honest. But she really, she said, I'm not going to lie to you. I just need $2.75 more so I can get a big bottle of whiskey. There you go. I said, well, thank you for being honest. You're probably the first person that's been honest with me in 20 years. <laughs> and, and there's steak and shakers right there. And I said, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll give you more money than you asked for. But you're going to go to steak and shake with me and, and eat lunch with me. And my buddy Ken, my guitar picker, yeah. she said, no, 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 I, I'm not hungry. And this girl was filthy, dirty. She lived in the woods in a tent, tent city. I said, okay, no eating, no, no money. Drink, no drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I said, when's the last time you ate? So I don't want to talk about it. I said, we're going to talk about it. You're going to go eat lunch, and we're going to get you a burger and some fries and a malt. Okay. And I said, after that, I will give you some money. When we walked in, here's how dirty she was. People started looking like, oh, my God. Her, her hands were just black. And she was a white woman and got some information about 35 years old, uh, been a uh, homeless person for 12 years, and began sharing Jesus with her. And she started ripping off scripture verses. Mm. She said, I know the verses you're going to talk to me about today because you're going to try and lead me to Jesus. <laughs> and she ripped them off. John 3:16, some of the Roman road. I said, where did you learn those verses? She said, when I was a little girl in Bible school, we had Bible drills and scripture memorization. Wow. And so after we left the restaurant, uh, I said, now, come on. Wouldn't you like to give your life to Jesus? Nope, not today. I said, okay. Would you let me pray with you? And she hesitated. She said, uh, okay. And I said, well, Ken and I are going to lay hands on you, and we're going to pray for you that uh, you're not going to hang out too much longer without giving your life to Jesus. And we laid hands on her and prayed the Holy Spirit would deal with her and, and that one day we would see, Ken and I would see her in heaven, and then I gave her some money. And uh, she jumped up and down. She grabbed me. And kissed me on the cheek, grabbed Ken, kissed him on the cheek, and went to get her bottle of whiskey, I guess. You know, but I, I'm, I, I tell that story to people because they all say, well, if you give them money, they're, you're going to buy dope. They're not going to buy food. They're going to buy whiskey. I said, well, if that's what you think, you're not going to give anybody any money. But what is the scripture? If they ask you for your coat, give them your cloak too, man. I said, look at it this way. Here's how I do it. And I told this little girl that. She was 35, and, and, but she was a small lady. I said, there's a transfer going on. I am giving you this money in Jesus' name. It doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to you. There's a transfer. Now, what you do with it, if you want to buy whiskey, fine. But it, what you do with it now is between you and God. I'm out of the picture. That's how you handle those things and minister to people that hit you up for money. You know, and don't know if she ever accepted Jesus. We'll know one day she'll either be in heaven maybe or she won't. And, and then I, you know, I don't know really if we'll even, heaven's going to be pretty crowded. I don't know if we'll meet those people or not. But I got a feeling God's going to let us see those people that we led to the Lord here that we prayed for. And I remember after I came to Christ. Who prayed for me? 
I gave my life to Christ March 16th, 1969, okay? And I got to thinking, who prayed for me? Well, years went by, and I went back up to Webster, Wisconsin, where I was raised, kicked out of school at fifth grade. <laughs> I'd stabbed a kid. They didn't want me back in school for some reason. And that's when I went to the mental institution for six weeks. And uh, I had to go apologize to a teacher. I had a fifth grade teacher that slapped me. I slapped her back. <laughs> Pow! And uh, I didn't hit her that hard, but I slapped her back. And, uh, of course, I got kicked out of school a couple of times. I said, Miss Nichols. I knocked on her door. Miss Nichols. I said, my name's Richard Koss. Do you remember me? And she said, Richard, how could I forget you? And I said, well, Miss Nichols, I've just come to tell you I'm sorry. I gave you a lot of problems. I put tacks on your chair and rigged your drawers with rubber snakes and did all kinds of stuff to her. And I said, would you please forgive me for what I did to you? And she said, well, I heard you became a Christian. And she said, I've been praying for you. She said, I, I knew your parents were in the alcohol business, and they were alcoholics, and I knew you were a problem child, and I prayed for you all those years I knew you. Wow. Wow. You know? And then, one day, I get a letter in the mail a couple of years later, and it's a lady in California who was a retired school teacher from Minneapolis, Minnesota. She was a missionary now on the Navajo Indian Reservation in Arizona. She said, I was in the Christian bookstore. And I saw this book, Wanted, Richard David Koss. She said, wow, I think in Bloomington, Minnesota, where I taught school for a couple of years, I had a little boy, a redheaded kid by the name of Richard Koss. Are you this person? And I wrote her back, said, yes, I am. She said, and then we, she, matter of fact, she called me then. And she said, I want you to know I knew you were in trouble, and I prayed for you. So I found two people who prayed for me. Now, I, I just happen to believe 98, 99% of all the people that go to heaven, somebody's praying for their salvation, and they go on the wings of prayer. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And uh, she was on a tight budget in retirement. She started sending me $5 a month. <laughs> and that went on for years. Then one day I got a letter from one of her daughters. Mama passed. Yeah. And just wanted to let you know uh, she's gone. Wow. I, I started, I, back in the day, I never cried, but I started tearing up. I cry pretty easy today. And I teared up and thought, wow, what a neat thing. I did find somebody who prayed for me. Two school teachers. Yeah. You know? So praise God. Pray, I love praying folks. Somebody's praying and I can feel it Somebody's praying for me Mighty hands are guiding me To protect me from what I can't see 
Somebody's always out there praying yeah. for us when we're lost and away from God. Yeah. I mean, Amen. Yeah. A mama, a grandma, somebody. Yeah. Somebody's always praying for us. And, uh, well, for me, my wife was praying for me. She called the 700 Club, had them pray for me <laughs> before I got saved. Yeah. Amen. And, and she had the church that she was going to praying for me. So there's always somebody praying for those wow. out there that are 
that are hurting, those that are lost. And it's pretty neat when you get to hear yeah. testimonies Ooh. like yours of uh, these school teachers yeah. that taught you and prayed for you. Yeah. I mean, you've got so Man. many wonderful testimony. How do you get so many? Let me ask you this. How do you get so many uh, testimonies in uh, your Christian walk? 55 years of ministry. <laughs> of, of going out and doing <laughs> and ministering. And ministering to people. That's the key right yeah. there. You go out and you minister yeah. to people. And when you're ministering to people, you get testimonies in your life. And, you know, if you're in a public place, and I always pray this at truck stops, you know, places I fuel up. You know, God, if you've got someone that I might want to give a gospel track to, uh, whatever, uh, just send your Holy Spirit to reveal it to me, yeah. you know, and, and walk in the Spirit and obey the Spirit, you know, when he talks. And I've had, not every time, but I've had times where the Spirit was heavy, and I couldn't walk away from it. I mean, it would, and usually when those things, and I've only had a few of those in, in my life, but when those things happen, wow, does God, you know, ever work mightily, you know, in someone's life. I remember one time walking into a gas station and a man really well-dressed. And he said, and I'd seen him talking to some other people and there's something going on here. And, uh, when I was walking, he said, sir, excuse me. And I mean, the guy was well-dressed. And uh, he said, sir, excuse me, but uh, you see that transmission shop over there? I said, yeah. He said, my car's over there. He said, transmission went out. And he said, I had a few hundred bucks. Now, this is back years ago when you get a transmission for three, four hundred bucks. And <laughs> he said, uh, they're going to get my last of my money and he said uh, I, I, I don't have enough money to pay for this transmission job and then he started crying he said uh, my wife left me and I'm going to live with one of my daughters hmm. and uh, well ten dollars isn't going to do <laughs> do it and I had a few hundred bucks on me and I said well what do you need he said well I'm going to need about another $200. And I said, well, I'm going to go home broke. <laughs> but here's the 200 I prayed with him. And uh, he was a born-again Christian, landing on hard times. And he said, I got a nice vehicle. He said, you know, he said, I've got a good job. But, you know, my wife left me, and I didn't see it coming. And now I'm stranded. Wow. Divine appointment. But he just busted out crying. You know, hugged me. You know. So, you know, we'll see. One of these days. And I can see. He said, you can go to the transmission shop. You know, I said, no, I don't need to. I believe you. Anybody that says that, you know their car's over there. You know. And uh, he told the guy, so I'm going to go to the truck stop and try and raise the money. Yeah. To get out of this place. But, yeah. And we've had waitresses. One of the things I do that I've learned from a pastor buddy of mine, when we pray over our food, we always tell the waitress, you know, hey, we're Christians and uh, we're going to pray over our food. And do you have a need in your life? Well, a lot of times, eh, well, no, not really. But a lot of times i got a son that's in trouble. Yeah. Uh, my husband's not a Christian or my wife's not a Christian. And we've led waitresses 
to Christ before at the table. Mm. Not, not many, but a few. You know, and wow. And then you got everybody kind of looking at you, and you got your heads bowed and your arms around one another praying, and somebody's receiving Jesus as their Savior. Now, that's pretty good testimony right there in itself. That's a powerful, powerful yeah. testimony. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you do prison ministry. Yeah. And uh, I bet you run into a lot of people that when they find out you're doing prison ministry, they start telling you about their family that's in prison. Yeah. And if there's any way that you could write to them or yep. help or, uh, you know, there's people out there right now that just, they got family members in prison and they need somebody just to reach out to them. And, and you've got a ministry that does that. And we do that. We've been doing that for uh, about 53 years now. Yeah. And uh, we, we stay in touch with them. Uh, for instance, I've got two ladies, both of them are in their 70s kind of grandma-type figures. They write to inmates. They help me write. We, we probably write to about 100 inmates a month. We've got a little newsletter that goes out to inmates. And uh, we make sure they get a birthday card, a Christmas card, you know, any special occasion, just to stay in touch. Do you need a Bible? Uh, we send them, are you allowed to get Christian literature? Uh, we stay in touch with them. Part of their discipleship program. Right. You know, somebody else is probably discipling them and, or witnessing to them or whatever. We're just a part of that, you know, just keeping their, their attention on Christ. These ladies that have helped me for years and years and years, man, they got more stories than I've got, you know, because they, they write the guys on a, almost a monthly ba basis. And uh, we've got a lot of people on death row yeah. that, you know, their family's forsaken them. You know, right. I haven't heard from my family in 10 years. Well, you're going to hear from your Christian family now, okay? And I hear from inmates all the time. Uh, well, thank you, you know, for your gals that write to us, man. They pray for us. We got prayer requests. And they, they send us letters and cards and, you know, praise God for what you do, you know. Just being a servant. I want to be a servant of the Most High God. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, give them your phone number one more time so that they can contact you. Okay. And uh, if they've got a family member that's in prison, Amen. What, they can get a hold of you. Or they don't have to be in prison. Uh, we, you know, if you've got a son or a daughter or somebody on dope, living in a dope house with a bunch of addicts or messed up, hey, we'll send our material out to them. I usually start with my book, Wanted, My Life Story. Uh, and then if they get back in touch with us, we got a lot more material that we send them. But my phone number is area code 251-979-0257. I would love to, to hear from you. I would love to help you and your family. Pray for our ministry. Pray for Richard Koss Ministries. We're kind of a target ministry. We uh, most of my buddies ride motorcycles, so we go after the motorcycle people. We take our motorcycles in. We got several prisons now that let us ride our motorcycles inside the walls, inside the fences. And that creates, you know, some attention. And they can come out and look at our bikes, and we can witness to them. We can invite them to chapel. That's the you favor know? of God right That's there, the favor they, of God, because that doesn't happen very often. They don't allow stuff like now, that. No, Mississippi and Alabama a little bit, and Louisiana, a lot of Jesus going on down there in some of those prisons. Amen, amen. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help you. That's what we do. 
Hallelujah. Well, okay, and that you can contact Richard, and if you if you can't remember the phone number or if you didn't get it wrote down, just contact Lonesome Road Ministry, right. uh, lonesomeroad.org. Uh, we, we will put you in touch with uh, Pastor Richard Koss here. And Richard, there's many people out there right now that, that have heard your testimonies, and they don't know Jesus as their Savior. You know, I, we had a pastor in here the other day, Pastor uh, Randy Hayes, and he was talking about uh, one of his uh, congregation called him, and sh she had a son that was wanting to get saved. And he said, well, bring him in. He, she said, I'll bring him in right after, right after school. And he said, when the little guy got in there, he was all smiles because he was ready to get saved. All Amen. he needed to do was see that pastor yeah. and hear that prayer. Yep. And there's people right now that just right. need to know that you're praying for them or Amen. that you will pray with them. They're, they're out there smiling and they're ready to give their heart to the Lord, but they just don't know yeah. what to do. Well, so. folks, it's, it's really pretty simple. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive. And folks, give it up today. You know, if you're a seeker, you can become a Christian real easy. A simple, childlike prayer. God has made salvation so simple. And I've heard from a lot of people, not a lot, but quite a few. When I was five years old, I gave my life to Jesus. When I was six, seven, eight, well, I was 24, okay? I didn't hear about it till I was 24. But, you know, I prayed a simple prayer 55 years ago in my third trip to the penitentiary, and I heard about Jesus for the first time, and I said, God, I'm a broken man. Nobody can fix me. I can't even fix myself. I'm stuck in this lifestyle, and, and I'm going to die in prison unless something changes. And Jesus, if you're the Son of God, the Savior of the world, come into my life. And I, I know that my sins are forgiven and forgotten as far as the east is from the west. I accept that, Jesus. I accept you as my Savior. And direct my life. Be my boss. Because I've messed it up, God. And I need a shot caller. And help me, Jesus. And Satan, take a hike. You know, uh, get rid of that old devil, okay? Invite Jesus in. And Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your word. You know, fill me with your very life. And God, help me spill over on other people. Become a witness. Share that testimony. Okay, that testimony. And it's going to reach other people. And then you tell, you tell somebody. And maybe if you heard it on this program, call Gary. Say, Gary, on one of your uh, podcasts or TV programs, radio programs, I gave my life to Jesus. Tell somebody. Amen. And you can call us here at Lonesome Road Ministry at 618-383-2107. And remember, God loves you. Mm. And we here at Lonesome Road Ministry, hey, we love you too. Amen. And this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn. And this is my partner, Richard Koss. He partners with us here at Lonesome Road Ministry. We work together to get the gospel message into the hands of your family all across the road. We Amen. are bringing the church to you wherever you're at. Amen. And we love you, and we'll talk at you later.
crossroads of life Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.